Welcome, everybody. It's time for another episode of Asher Sales Sense, brought to you by Asher Strategies, the only global sales training company that integrates leading sales methodologies and the latest neuroscience studies into a simple and repeatable, that's the key, simple and repeatable 10-step process for sales success. Thank you, Paul. Paul is our announcer for Asher Sales Sense, and I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Strategies studio in Washington, D.C. Our host today is John Asher, CEO and founder of Asher Strategies, and the title of the show is Goal Setting for Results, Close Deals Faster. John's guest is Sean Doyle, professional speaker, author, and executive coach. John, over to you. Sean, great to have you on the show. Well, thanks, John. It's great to be here. I appreciate it. Speaking of goal setting, one of the most impactful books I've ever read a long time ago when I first read it was Think and Grow Rich. And... You know, it was a huge study over 100 years ago, commissioned by um, Carnegie, um, the, one of the richest men yeah. in the world, to figure out what is it about the top 100 industrialists? Why, why are they so successful? What is it about them? And if you really boil it down, they just took action. They set goals, little goals, big goals, and took action. So goal setting to me has always been just like fundamental to success in life. Absolutely, I agree. And so, of all the people I've ever met who talks about goals, you are like the, the creme of the creme, the top of the top. So, why do we need to talk about this? Why is this always such a puzzling subject? Yeah, it is interesting, John, because you think in uh, the year 2019, we would have been way past the goal-setting discussion, but apparently we're not. I travel all over the country as a speaker and a trainer and a consultant, and I'm still quite shocked how many people do not have goals. In fact, it was an interesting study that was done, and I know, John, you're a big fan of studies and data. I'll use them a lot in your presentations and in your books. But there was this study done of the Harvard MBA class of 1978. I would think that a class, an MBA class, would be pretty sharp, you know, maybe the creme de la creme, perhaps. In that Harvard MBA class of 1978, only uh, when they took a a survey and said, you know, do you have goals? 84% of the people had no goals at all which is really shocking to me still, yep. uh, 13% had written goals and only 3% had written goals and concrete plans. So you say, okay, well, that's, that's a little shocking. And so what does that mean? Well, interestingly, this was a longitudinal study. So 10 years later, they went back and they found out that the 13% that had written goals were making two times more money. And the 3% that had written goals and concrete plans were making 10 times the compensation of the rest of the group. So, I guess for the sales professionals listening to this podcast, I would say that this is so critically important to your success is to have goals because I'm sure everybody listening would love to make 10 times more compensation. So goals really seems to be an important part of that formula. No, I I totally agree. And, you know, we do a lot of the neuroscience stuff in our training. One of the cognitive biases is called a commitment bias. And that is if you if you have a goal, you know, like, yay, we got a goal, <laughs> good person. <laughs> then there's um, five things you should do to make sure you're going to achieve the goal at a high level. And one of them is just what you said, just have an intention to have a goal. And then number two, write it down. Those yeah. are two of the five steps really to be successful in, in achieving goals. But, you know, you take it a, a great step forward, and that is you peel back the onion once you have the goal. So could you tell the audience how you really recommend doing that? It's interesting because it was a study done by Dr. Gail Matthews, and she found that people who write goals down are 42% um, more effective than those who do not. But 
I think one of the things that I talk about often, John, is great to have a goal and those rare people that I meet that do have goals and have them in writing, that's great. But then I take it to the next level. Let's say somebody says, I want to lose weight. And that's a pretty common goal across the world. So he says, I want to lose weight and say, well, how much do you want to lose? Well, I want to lose this much. Okay, great. So we have a goal. We have specificity, you know, this much weight by this time. Great. But then my next question is why? And as an executive coach, I'm really amazed at how often people have goals, but they never are able to articulate the why behind the goal. So for example, let's use the losing weight scenario. Well, I'm going to lose weight. Well, why? Well, because I want to look good. Okay. That's certainly a motivator or driver, but but why? Well, I want to uh, live to be 100 and a healthy 100, or I want to see my kids graduate from college or something along those lines. And I find that when we attach a why to the goal, it's a much more powerful driver than just having the goal in general. Yeah, not only that, just asking why once in many cases doesn't really get to the root cause or the root why, you know, what's that's, really driving that's, it. That's exactly that's right. right. There's a great exercise called the five whys, which I think is highly effective. Yes, totally agree. If you can really, really get it down to the fundamental why, and then have that image in your mind, like seeing your granddaughter graduate from college, to use your example, and then, and then you have that image and keep seeing that image, then that really drives your behavior. Well, and I think that also, let's say someone's laying in bed and it's 5.30 a.m. and they're like, oh, I have to go work out. Oh. You know, and they look, well, I don't really feel like working out today. But if I say, no, I want to work out not because of the more shallow reasons, but because of the deeper reason, I want to see my granddaughter graduate, in your example, or I want to live to be 100 and live a happy, healthy life. 200, then now working out is much more than just today's workout, but the long term view, which I think is critically important. Totally agree. The goal setting that uh, that you talk about applies to every aspect of life, doesn't it, John? I mean, not just personal, but all, all business aspects as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think people that I meet that are in the world of business, you know, they have very strong written professional goals and they have very strong written personal goals. And those two things are interwoven. I mean, I don't think people live, you know, like a lot of times people say, well, I have a work calendar and a personal calendar. I'm like, well, that's an invitation to disaster. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, what appointment! I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. Right. So the idea of people that are successful in business are very have very strong personal goals. People that have very strong personal goals are also very successful in business. So it's the whole totality of your life. Is I really recommend deciding different categories what you should write down goals for. About a year ago, I saw a study that applies to salespeople, and that's my kind of sweet spot training salespeople. This was called a bicoastal study on the West Coast and East Coast, UCLA and Princeton. The study was all about when a student listens to a 45-minute lecture, you know, in the university, is their retention higher when they actually write it down with pen and paper or when they type it on an electronic device, you know, an iPad, laptop, and that sort of thing. And the interesting result of the study was if you type your notes, the retention after 24 hours is zero. So there's something about the kinesthetics between, uh, you know, your brain, the arm moving and writing it down that causes this retention of 40 to 70 percent when if you type it, the retention is zero. 
So have you found that in your in your all your work on goal setting? When people have a goal and write it down, is it a lot better to write it down than type it? Absolutely. There's something called a reticular activating system, and this really belies the the question that you just asked, John, or the statement that you just made, completely backed up by research. Is there's something called a reticular activating system, and what we find is that when you take out a piece of paper, a stone tablet, and a chisel, a piece of bark and some ink. Doesn't matter, but, <laughs> but if it's in writing, there is this reticular activating system, which says, kind of drives it into your brain. And, and the analogy I use is, I've noticed myself being 60 years old, that if I write something down, meaning with a client, I write something down, I remember it later, even if I never refer back to the notes. So the idea of having it in writing. So this mechanism in your brain then works on the goals even when you're not thinking about it. It's a tactic that works remarkably well. Reticular activating system. I've never heard of that. I'm going to have to look that one up. I, pr- I appreciate you bringing that up. It's always great to learn new stuff about how the, how the brain works. Give me an interesting example just to follow up on that. I give these talks to CEOs in the Vistage organization, usually about 15 of them. And I gave a talk to a group I talked to three or four years earlier, so I knew most of them. And they all had this little notebook, and they're all 15 are taking notes. Wow. And the whole time I'm talking. And so at the end, one of the guys is a really good friend. We did a lot of work for his company. I said, Craig, what, what's going on? He said, well, we had a speaker who said, um, just write everything down. Your retention goes up 40 to 70%. I said, you ever go back and look at your notes? He said, no. That's all they were doing. They're just taking notes to increase retention. <laughs> Yeah, and it's funny that when we write them down, often we don't have to go back and refer to the note. But I actually recommend taking that RAS and the written and taking it to the next level, which is one, write them down, but two, create what we call a vision board. And I'm sure lots of people listening have heard of this before, or maybe you haven't, but it's the idea of having a visual representation of a goal. Two ways to do that, we can go on Google and grab some pictures and put it into some sort of electronic format or phone or PowerPoint or whatever, somewhere we can store it and look at it every single day, or we can actually create a physical product, which is you know, a piece of canvas or cardboard and literally set in glue pictures, right? But the mm-hmm. idea is to look at that on a daily basis. And there's no words on this, on this board. It's just visuals. You know, there's a Lamborghini, there's a mansion, there's you know, you on vacation in Peru with your family, whatever. But the idea is to be able to look at those visuals every day. This also stimulates your reticular activating system. Isn't that interesting? You know, I've never heard of that, but I have the, uh, it's right on the back of my door in my office. There is a picture of Bryce Harper, a famous baseball player who is incredibly buff. There is a, a picture of my wife and there's a picture, a drawing of a, observation tower I'm building in my, um, in my beach house, right on the back of that door. And I just put them there because that's what I'm, so I'm after in all three cases, you know, a great relationship with my wife, a body like Harper, that'll never happen, but it'll give them close. <laughs> and, and the construction of that tower is underway. So I've actually that's never heard of that, but I've, I don't, and I'm not too sure why I've done it, but that's great. I love that. John, excuse yeah. me. It's time to take a quick commercial break. <laughs> Over 200 correlation studies show that natural aptitude is the most significant factor in predicting sales success. Asher's advanced personality questionnaire, the APQ, 
consistently identifies peak performers in outside sales, inside sales, sales management, customer support, and 17 other business positions. Go to AsherStrategies.com today or call 866-833-9941. That's Asher Strategies at 866-833-9941. We've been speaking with Sean Doyle about goal setting for results. Now back to John and Sean. Well, Sean, this is great. I'm uh, I'm learning a lot, and uh, I love I love goal setting myself. Let's see if we can take the discussion to uh, most of the people listening are going to be salespeople and sales managers, maybe some CEOs. So if you take just a um, an outside or an inside really hunter salesperson, where the typical goals are in revenue, uh, let's just Correct. say one point one point two million this coming year. Most salespeople will say, okay, 1.2 million, that means I've got to sell um, 100,000 a month, and therefore I've got to sell 25,000 a week. And they, so they do that type of thinking that kind of keeps them on, the, on track. What else would you recommend they do using an example like that? You know, I think there's two things here, John, and those are both great, great questions. One is I think that quotas are a terrible idea if we believe that's our goal. So in other words, Let's say I work for a company, and like you said, my goal is $1.2 million a year. That's the company's minimum expectation for me to keep my job, not for me to get promoted or for me to grow. So I say that the company quota, you should take that and multiply it times 10. Let me repeat right. that. Make, take that goal and multiply it times 10. Well, that's, that's your quota company, but that's not my quota, myself. So I'm going to make that a much bigger number because obviously if we aim for a bigger number, we're much more likely to hit it. So a quota to me is a minimizing goal and a restriction versus an expansion. So first thing I would do is take that goal. You don't have to tell the company you're doing this, <laughs> but just to <laughs> right. say, uh, uh, that's, that's not my goal. My goal is, you know, 10 times that amount. So that's one thing. And the other thing is I think that uh, often people use limiting language when they write their goals. They'll say things like, I'm going to try to get to 1.2. Uh, I want them to be very much more Yoda than that and say, I'm going to make 10 million. You know, I will make 10 million. So instead of using that minimum language, you know, if instead of when, say when, you know, try versus will say will, might instead of going to, because it's interesting, the brain believes what we tell it. If I tell my brain I can do 10 million a year, Henry Ford said it best, right? But you say you can or can't, you're right. So we need to tell our brain the right story in order to maximize the achievement of our goals. So I like that. And so um, I thought, one of the things I've heard you say in the past is thoughts are things. Is that, is that what you're talking about here? Yes, exactly. Uh, actually, I have a yeah. book that came out a couple years ago called Thoughts are Things. And it's based on a book written in 1889. And Prentice Mulford said, I really do believe that thoughts are things that what we think about is what we become, what we think about is what we do, generate, create, etc. So I've often used this analogy that if you're driving down the street and you look at a beautiful building, you say, wow, that's a beautiful building. Well, somebody thought of it first. <laughs> somebody designed it, somebody built it, and it became physical reality, but it started in somebody's mind. So you have to start building it in your mind first to make it a reality. Got it. Back to the salespeople and listening. What would be their step-by-step process? So the, let's just say the sales manager says, okay, your quota for the year is 1.2 million. Mm-hmm. So now what would be the steps the salesperson should take to really achieve uh, a lot more than that? 
Number one, obviously write them down. Number two, make sure that those goals are something you're looking at every single day and really examine to make sure that they're large enough. But then say, okay, well, if these are my goals for the year as a sales professional, what are the actions that I need to take to make those happen? And then if I have yearly goals, I should then divide them up into quarterly, monthly, weekly, daily. But it's really all about the action that I need to take. So if I'm going to be, to your point about Bryce Harper being fit, you know, so if I'm going to be fit, what do I need to eat? How do I need to work out? What do I need to drink? You know, what are all the, the strategies I need to put into place? How many times a week do I need to work out? What kind of workouts do I need to do? So using the sales analogy, what are the activities and the strategies you need to put in place to make those goals happen? Because again, it's back to the Harvard study. It's written goals and concrete plans, not just written goals. And that really goes back to the fundamentals and good to great, too. You Absolutely. Know, the same statistics apply, right? A hundred brilliant industrialists and then all the rest of the millions of, millions of people. You know, what's, <laughs> what's the difference? It's a pretty good parallel path that, uh, that Napoleon Hill took in good to great that, that you're really talking about here. So I, I, I like the way they, they, they go together. And, you know, if you go back to the um, commitment bias, what they found in, at Berkshire Hathaway, and these are for executive goals. If you do five things, then the probability of achieving the goal goes way up. One, have an intention to have a goal. So in other words, have it, visualize it, as you say, put it on your vision board, write it down, and then use your activating system <laughs> with your hands and arms, and then share it with people inside the company and then share it with, say, with the rest of the sales team, then share it publicly, maybe with your business group or with your family. Then, number five, meet with the sales manager, say, once every two weeks, and tell the sales manager where you are with your overall quota, the goals that support the quota, the action plans you've got, so that the sales manager can give you some feedback and, of course, give you some help every now and then. So what they found at Berkshire Hathaway, do for all five of those, the really high probability of achieving the goals. Well, I love those steps, John. And I think a big part of those steps is something I talk about often is shared goals are goals that help us maintain accountability. So if I yeah. share it with my work team, if I share it with my wife or husband, if I share it with my friends, then they can help hold me accountable publicly, privately. <laughs> But I think the other thing about shared goals and accountability is support. So if I share it with people that I know and love, they can say, well, you can do this. Uh, let me give you some ideas or how that, how's that goal going? So having that support from loved ones and friends and family and coworkers, the sharing part allows them to help support you. My wife and I sit down every year and write out our goals. Personally, I write mine down. She writes hers down. Then we have a couple goals, but then we, know that we have that support system in place where she can support me and I can support her on a daily basis. So that, I think that's a very great motivator for wanting to achieve your goals. John, no, it's totally, time for the wrap-up. Totally agree. All right. So, uh, Sean, this has been great, great, great. If you're going to leave the salespeople and managers listening with just one or two or three uh, main thoughts, what would those be? And, and also, of course, how can they get a hold of you? First thing I'd recommend is I have a book that uh, came out about a year ago called the goaltender, and I think everybody would benefit from reading the core principles in there about goal setting. It's called The Goaltender by Sean Doyle. That would be one. Okay, great. Secondly, everyone listening to this podcast to think about improving their thinking. I have a great quote from Amazon. 
I just actually was reading some stuff this morning and I came across this quote this morning. And the quote is, thinking small is a self-fulfilling prophecy. So thinking small is a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I really want you and your goals to think big uh, and not to limit yourself with your language. And third really is, if you've not done it, not too late, doesn't matter what time of year it is, pull out a piece of paper and write down your goals personally and professionally, and it will massively improve your performance and your goal acquisition. That's great, John. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. You're very welcome. Thank you, John and Sean. That's all the time we have for today. Our next show is in two weeks. Be sure to join us. From now until then, John Asher reminds us to please, please get out there and sell something. Paul, take it away. You've been listening to another episode of Asher Sales Sense right here on Asher Strategies Radio. 